Welcome to the Be During Life podcast. I'm your host, Hudson. I'm joined by Rachel and Jenna and our special guest, Zachary Reinhardt. Thanks for coming out today, Zach. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Today, Zach is joining us to talk to us a little bit about what it's like being a teen in foster care and telling us a little bit about his story. Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood? Um, my childhood was different. Um, it's probably not like most kids' childhood, of course. Um, growing up um, with a you know single mom, uh, it was me and my sister, and things you know at first seemed like a normal childhood, but then slowly um, things became different. They, like I said, they weren't, it wasn't like most kids' childhood. Um, things started getting more focused towards my sister, um, and I was kind of put in the back burner. And so because of that, there was a lot of resentment towards myself and a lot of self-doubt and stuff like that. Um so, when did it start getting really bad? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that there was any point that got really, like, bad or worse than other points. Um, it really, I would say, started around when I was 9 or 10, and it just continued, fluctuated. Um, sometimes there'd be good times, sometimes there'd be really bad times. Um, and then about when I was 15 was when, when, was when things really started to go downhill so when you were put into foster care as a teenager most kids are put in when they're children so do you have a different perspective Uh, there's definitely a different perspective being older because um, a lot of the younger kids that I know that went to foster care they're very I don't want to say unaware but they are confused and not sure exactly what's going on even though it's explained to them, there's still there's a lot of confusion. Um, they're not sure why they can't be with their parents, and they're not sure why they can't, you know, do certain things like most kids can. Um, they're not sure why they have to go to court or why they have to see a caseworker that comes to their house once a month. Um, it's things like that. Um, so definitely being older gave me a different look on it because I was completely aware and I was completely in the understanding of what was going on. I knew why I couldn't live with my family. I knew why I had to have a caseworker come to my house. I knew and expected all the things that were to come. It wasn't like I was in the dark. I was more educated, in a sense. So did you feel like you should have been removed? You're like, yes, this was definitely the best decision for me. Yes, um, I I think it was the best decision for me because... If I would have stayed in that situation, who knows where I'd be now. Um, but being with the type of foster parents I had and just loving my family from a distance really helped me to not hate my family. I feel like if I would have stayed with my family and just grew up with my family, now at 20 years old, there'd be a lot of hate. Um, so I think that getting taken out when I did really helped me. Do you... Do you um... Do you want to talk a little bit about why you were yeah, removed? Yeah, um, so I was removed because my 
mother, she was going through her own stuff. She was, she had an abusive boyfriend who was very abusive towards her, but she took that and put it onto me and my sister. My sister was always the smarter child. My sister was always the more loved child. And so, like I said before, there was a lot of me having self-doubt on myself and thinking that I'm not good enough, um, that I'll never amount to anything, things like that. And there was also, along with just the emotional and verbal abuse, there was also physical abuse. And so all of that combined just made for a very toxic and very unhealthy home life. And I went to church one day and my mentor, who happened to be a doctor, saw certain marks on me and could kind of tell what was going on. And so legally he had to report it um, as a doctor. And so that was the first step to me being removed. And then I was removed. So when you were removed, did you feel, did you feel like, like it was your fault? Did you feel like blame for yourself? I did. I did because I, dealing with, of course, the not being good enough and self-doubt and stuff like that, I felt like that maybe I could have done something differently or maybe it was my fault and things like that. And so, yes, there was a lot of blame and towards myself and towards like wishing I could have done things differently. Um, so, yes, there was a lot of that. Were your friends aware of what was going on with you? So being that I was in high school when it happened, or just starting high school, um, pretty much, high school kids aren't always very aware. And my close friends, yes, they did know. Um, But even them, they were uneducated. So I feel like a lot of things, like especially around foster care these days, is it's not that people don't care, it's that people don't know. People don't really understand what foster care is. Like, if I walked up to somebody on the street, they wouldn't understand what it was. Or if I walked up to somebody at school, like a teenager, they wouldn't understand what it was. So my friends, even though they knew something was going on, they didn't really understand. They didn't have the knowledge of it. Um, And so that was a hard thing for me because I didn't want to have to continue to relive it over and over again by telling all my friends, okay, this is what's going on. Being with that, it was still new and still fresh. But yes, they knew that something was going on. Did you try to hide it from I did. other people? I did um, because at first, because I felt like people might look at me like I was broken or damaged and that people would not want to hang out with me or not want to be friends with me or something because they felt that you know, I was damaged or broken. And so I tried for a long time to keep it a secret, but it's hard to keep it a secret when, you know, you have to leave school early or come into school late because you have to go to court or because your caseworker comes and pulls you out of class because he has to talk to you or things like that. It starts getting to the point where it's hard to keep things a secret or when other students or friends ask you about, you know, your parents or, you know, you know, what did you and your parents do this weekend or things like that. And that's something that you can't just lie and try to push off like, oh, you know, we just went to the beach or something, you know, or I might be just having a normal conversation and I might accidentally say, oh, me and my foster parents. And then people start asking questions or what are foster parents and stuff like that. So as much as you try to keep it a secret, it ends up coming out. 
How did they help? How did my foster parents help? Or how did my friends help? How did your friends help? My friends helped because the really close friends that I had that knew what was going on, that I could actually share deeper information than I could with other people, they were, even though at first I thought that they weren't going to accept what was going on, they were very accepting and they supported me. They were there for me if I needed to talk or anything like that. They were still very confused and they, one of my friends even told me, he said, I'm not going to ask a lot of questions because... It'll just confuse me even more. But he said, I'm here for you to where if I needed to talk or anything like that. And that's really the main thing that, you know, in that situation that you need is just someone to kind of sit with you in the darkness to where even if they're not necessarily making strides to like very hugely help you, they're still sitting with you through that process and they're there for you. Do you feel like you went through like stages of grief? grief and loss like I yes um because I I went through stages of grief or loss because I felt like one I felt like I was grieving my childhood because having to grow up so early I felt like I never really had a childhood I also felt like I was grieving my self my old self um and then I also felt like I was grieving or lost um my parents you know even through all that stuff I still you know, they're still my parents. I still love them. And I felt like, you know, being in foster care, I felt like I was grieving my parents in a sense because I felt like, you know, they weren't my parents anymore, even though they were. Right. Did you feel like you were, um, when you had a foster family and foster parents, did you feel like you were being not true to your real parents? Yes. Um, and that makes sense. I felt like, you know, when even when my... You know, my biological parents would have um, visits with me and I would say something that my foster parents did that I liked or something like that. I felt like it was hurting my biological parents because I was so happy at things that my foster parents were doing that they felt less than. Right. Um, and so I do felt I do. I did feel like I wasn't in a sense being true to my biological parents Um I felt like it was hard to be true to both sides at the same time. Right. Can you imagine that as, as an even younger kid, though? I mean, as as a young yeah. yeah, as a younger kid, I I think it's extremely hard because I've seen younger foster kids that don't really know what's going on, and they end up getting a bond with their foster parents, and they might call their foster parents mom or dad, and then when they go back to their biological parents. And their biological parents might hear them say mom or dad to the foster parents. I'm sure that is very hard and that hurts for the parents, um, which it should. Right. Not because they deserve it, but because that's still their kid. They, they still love their child or their children. And so I feel like it is hard for a younger kid because, like I said, with me, it there wasn't very much confusion. I knew what was going on with them. The younger foster kids, they're not as knowledgeable as what is going on and so it's very confusing to them on like I said why they're living with complete strangers and why they can't live with their mom and dad that they've known for eight years or six years or however long um so yeah I do think it's as much as foster care in general is hard I feel like it's easier in a sense on older kids than it is younger kids just because you're more knowledgeable and not completely unaware and confused and what about anger? 
There, there was there a lot of anger at first. At first, there was a lot of anger. Like I could honestly say, at first, I hated my parents because I felt like, why is it that I see all my friends at school that have these amazing families and you know have these amazing parents, and then I'm in foster care. And so I was. At first, when I went in foster care, it was more of blaming myself. And then once I started going through it, it got to the point where there's a lot of anger towards my parents to where it was like, why would you put me in this situation? Um, But now that I'm further along and going through figuring myself out and things like that, there's not so much anger anymore as much as wanting my parents to get better and get the help that they need and... Even though I'll never live with them again, the fact that they can get help and become just better people inside themselves um, just shows that they're trying in a sense. And so there's not hardly any anger anymore. So I know that you you, uh, go to an amazing church that more than any other church I've ever seen does a lot for foster children and their families. I know your pastor, he gives one day a week to help Mm -hmm. the foster care crisis. So how do you think that environment helps you heal? It helped me heal because it's not like there's just one foster family in that church. I believe there's 14 or so foster families in that church that are actively fostering. And one of them, of course, is Taryn and Jesse Howell. They, at any given time, have 11 kids or so in their home. And they just actually adopted three kids on top of the four that they already had. And so they just being in that church around people and that have a heart like that and just also being around foster kids. Um, I'm probably the oldest Um, All of them are younger, but just being able to kind of be a mentor to them and help them and just be around a church family that just cares so much about the foster care crisis and just wants to help all these young children and young teens and everything just really helps with healing. You have chosen to use what you went through to help others. So can you tell us what you've done and are doing to help others? Yes. So... I have this little business, if you will, it's called Faith Fosters Hope, and something that we do is we make bracelets for kids in foster care, and each bracelet is unique, and each bracelet comes with an inspirational quote, and it pretty much just is something, it's something small, but it's something that shows that there's people that care about you, and there's people that want to help you and want to sit with you in the darkness like my friends sat with me um and so we do things like that we also are right now in the process of planning a event just to get a bunch of foster kids together so they can see that they're not alone in this community and find friends and find people who have gone through similar situations and just want to be a part of a family and so that's something we're looking into right now just having like a day that is just a big fun event that just really just brings the community together and just shows that even though you think you're alone you're not what what would you say would you say it's teenagers in foster care that 
the group that is the most neglected? Do you think? Um, As honestly, in- I would say no. I would say that it's the younger kids. And the reason I say that is because the teenagers, in a sense, get more help, if you will. Um, they get, of course, more benefits, you know, to live on your own, stuff like that. But the reason I think that the younger kids are more neglected is because my caseworker makes it a point to, you know, text me, keep tabs on me, check up on me. You know, he knows practically my whole life. He knows what I'm doing at any given time. The younger kids, what I've noticed is that, and it's not anybody's fault, but the caseworkers get overwhelmed. The caseworkers could have Let's say one caseworker has 20 kids that they take care of, that they have to see each one at least once a month, along with court dates and all this other stuff. Well, a caseworker could get overwhelmed and quit. Well, then that caseworker's 20 kids get put on to spread apart between other caseworkers. So then instead of a caseworker having 20 kids, they might have 25. And now they have to, again, divvy up their time to go to court and see each kid and stuff like that and so a lot of kids if they do get seen by their caseworker each month it's for a very short time they really don't form a relationship and in that instance I've seen a lot of caseworkers that are very stressed and overworked and a lot of them smoke because of their stress and so I feel like it's I honestly feel like the younger kids are more neglected not because of anyone's fault but just because there's so many kids in foster care and not enough caseworkers and people to help them. So how is that different for the teens? The teens, the, there is... The caseworker still has to see them yes. the same? Yes, yes, but it's it's different because my caseworker has, you know, a certain amount of kids. He might have 14 teenagers, but he doesn't have to do as many things as the younger kids once do. The younger kids, they have to at least be seen once or twice a month. They have to check up on all these different avenues in the kid's life. Because they have no voice. They have to make sure they're all right. Right. Just like, you know, when I was in younger kids' foster care, I had a guardian at Lightham and stuff like that. But my teenager, or my adult caseworker, he, I, we do probably see each other once a month, but we don't have to. We just do it because it's a good checkup. But we don't have to. He, you know, lets me know. He calls me or texts me if anything, you know, happens that we need to work on, stuff like that. But when you're younger and you're in foster care, everything has to go through the foster parents. Everything has to go through the foster parents and the, you know, schedule around all these different avenues and everything. And so it's, it's a lot more, I guess, in a sense, lenient when you're older. Right. um, Because you don't have... So you're saying like an older teen, an older teen Mm -hmm. adult. It's a lot easier than when yes. the younger. Yes, because they kind of, they're, they're teaching you in the adult foster care or teenager foster care, they're teaching you to learn independence and learn to be your own voice and do things for yourself. When you're younger than 18 and you're in the younger kids' foster care, it's more of they're your voice for you and you're not very independent. Right. So in them teaching you to be independent, they're teaching you, you know, how to budget how to you know do things on your own how to do good in school you know they're giving you all the tools to succeed so you feel like you got a pretty good yes uh, um, training about those areas yes um i have my caseworker is very good about helping me if i have any questions about budgeting or if i have any questions about just 
any adulting things in general, um, he's there and he'll answer those questions yeah, for Yeah, because it's like, you know, a kid that's not in foster care, they have a problem, they just call their mom or dad, mm-hmm. right? Do you feel that? Do you feel that void a lot? Like, I do. Know, I wish I, I had somebody tell me, talk to me about dating. And I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny when you think about it, but it's true that they're, like I said, you see, especially I think one of the hardest things for me was you see these, you know, your friends and their families, that their families are just so happy and they have all these big family holidays and like just have like this amazing family dynamic. And then like I used to look at myself and I'd be like, why can't I have that? Why is it that I have to, you know, either spend my birthday alone or, you know, um, do a lot of things by myself? You know, why can't why can't my family be like those families? And that goes back to the whole point of when I used to have the resentment and everything like that and the anger. But now it's to the point to where I can't. And this isn't just for myself. This could be for anybody. You can't let anybody else choose your happiness for you. You have to consciously make a decision every day to wake up and say, who am I going to be today? Who do I want to be today? And just, even if it's, even if it's just two things every day that you're thankful for, you know, that you thank God for, you just have to find ways to make yourself happy. You can't rely on other people to make yourself happy because that's when you get to the point of where I was, where I didn't feel good enough and there was a lot of depression and stuff like that because I was depending on other people to make me happy instead of myself. So how do you think, because I've known you a little while, um, and you seem like you're in a really, really good place right now because I know you struggled a lot with depression and and, and suicidal mm-hmm. thoughts and, and you, you said we're free to talk about this, right? Yeah, so... Um, so what... Was it the ther- therapy that helped you get through all that? And this is recent... Do you feel like I'm at the best place I've ever been at? So or? I don't feel like I'm at the best place I've ever been yet. Um, but... And I'm happy to share this. Um, I, of course, have dealt with depression and anxiety and stuff like that. And almost a year ago, um, back in May, I believe it was May 6th, to be exact, of 2019... I had overdosed on my medication and I ended up in a coma on life support for three days and they weren't sure if I was going to wake up um, because I was in a very dark place um, because that's also around the time that I was dealing with, you know, I'm not good enough, everyone's better off without me, things like that, which are common thoughts that not just foster kids but normal people have. And so going through that... I still struggle. I still, in a lot of cases, if something happens, I think, you know, I'm not good enough or things like that. But going through that situation I did back in May, it made me realize that, you know, like I said before, you can't depend on other people to make you happy because that's when you fall down the rabbit hole. And that's when you just start going down a spiral that it's very hard to come up from and so yes I think the therapy did help they teach you really good things in therapy and I think there's a lot of people out there myself included before that a lot of people hate therapy because they think you know I don't want to talk to somebody about my problems I used to be that way I used to be that way about therapy and about taking antidepressive medicine and stuff like that because I felt like I don't I shouldn't have to talk to somebody about my problems and I felt like 
I shouldn't have to take medicine to be happy when everybody else around me is happy just fine. But going through therapy and going through all that stuff, it made me realize that therapy can actually be a stepping stone to where you want to go. It can be a stepping stone to the person that you want to be, but you just don't have the correct tools to get there yet. Is there something you would like to share with to teens that are going through the same similar situation? For teens, not just teens, for teens, young children, adults, anybody going through this situation, or even anybody that's not even involved in foster care, just that is going through anything in their life. There's a quote that I heard one time that it stuck with me. I heard it so many years ago, and it stuck with me. And I truly try to live by this quote. It's five words. God has not forgotten you. No matter what anybody goes through in their life, whether it's foster care, whether it's, you know, anything, God has not forgotten you. What can teens do to help other teens that are going through foster care? Um, I think that one of the big things that teens can do to help other teens or even just help younger kids in foster care is be a not just a role model, but be a big sister, a big brother, you know, because even the younger kids that are in foster care, they need somebody to look up to. They need somebody who cares and can help them and give them advice that maybe their foster parents can't. And so I think for the younger kids, you know, just be a role model. And for the older kids, I think, like I said before, just be present just you know this is something very unique you know for a teenager you know in high school to have to go through these sort of things and I think that just to be present you know sit with your friends through the darkness and don't make the foster child or foster teen whoever don't make them share more than they would like. A lot of people like to ask a bunch of questions just because they are uneducated. And me, for example, I'm perfectly comfortable sharing my story now. But if you would have asked me, you know, four years ago, I wouldn't have wanted to share anything. And so especially for people that are new to foster care, don't make them tell you their story. Wait for them to tell you their story um, because they just might not be ready yet. And the more that you push the more they push away and then they'll never tell you and they'll never share their story. And the biggest thing I could say for even adults is just, I'm going to take this quote from my father's arrows. Um, Just say yes, that, you know, anybody can do something that no matter if it's, you know, taking a child to a doctor's appointment or sitting with them because they need somebody to talk to or, just anything, just anybody can do something that there's always something that can be done. So where can we find you, like on Instagram or Facebook? So um, you can look up Faith Fosters Hope on Instagram or Facebook. We don't have a website yet, but you can look it up on Facebook or Instagram. And we have, we try to post 
we try to do daily, but a lot of times that doesn't happen. Um, but we try to post just inspirational stories and inspirational messages just because we want people to know that there's always somebody out there that cares. And I put this on a lot of my posts that, you know, if you need somebody to talk to or if you want to share any part of your story, you can reach out to us because we are more than happy to listen and to, even if we don't give you any advice, just to sit with you through the darkness. Thanks for coming out and talking to us today, Zach. We really appreciate you being willing to share your story and helping others with it. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. If you really like us and you really want to let the world know how much you like us, give us a review on iTunes. The more reviews we have, the more visible our podcast is. That, that helps others find us in the great community we are building together.